In the latest episode of our True Connections podcast, Alan Hooks speaks to the founder and owner of Dragonfly Asia Pacific and Banyan Workspace, Rashid Shroff. After more than 20 years working on developing distribution networks for brands in Asia, Rashid decided to start his own distribution and marketing company, representing brands looking to grow in the Asian region. In 2019, he also started a boutique flexible workspace and events venue in Hong Kong, combining an authentic design with a strong social and environmental business model. In addition to hearing the fascinating story of the creation of one of the city's most inspiring and sustainable workspaces, we learn how he navigated his path from ultra-loyal company man to independent entrepreneur. Rashid, welcome. I'm really pleased to be able to find some time in your diary to speak with you today. And it's great to have you on the podcast. You're probably best known, I guess, in Asia and in particular in Hong Kong. But like many entrepreneurs the world over, you certainly had a vision, I guess, an epiphany moment, if you like. And you took the plunge, set out on a journey to implement that vision. And I'm really keen today to talk about two of your businesses in Dragonfly and Banyan. But before we get to those, Rashid, it'd be great to hear from you in terms of your career at Fossil Group, which was more than the full career of well over 20 years. And what was the trigger point back in, I guess, 2018 or around about that time that you created Dragonfly Asian Pacific? So thank you so much for the opportunity to share the story, Alan. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I've been very, very fortunate over a 20-year career with Fossil Group. I actually was born and raised and grew up in Hong Kong, and Asia's been my home pretty much my entire life. I studied in the UK and then worked at Fossil Group as my first real job for three years in the US before moving back to Asia. And all of that time was spent pretty much focused on developing the Asia-Pacific business. And it was markets from Australia to India and China to Japan and everything in between. And it gave me a fantastic insight into consumer brands within different markets, different customers. And, you know, I worked in so many different departments. I worked in real estate. I worked in sales. I worked in marketing. I worked in planning. I ran countries. I ran distributors. And, you know, you could not ask for more than be part of a growing company in a growing region. And there was that trigger point. The company grew incredibly over 22 years. I was there from 1996 to the middle of 2018. And in early 2018, I was traveling to see a partner that I had known for the best part of 20 years in Manila and spending two days with him traveling around and seeing what he had done over 20 years was really that epiphany moment for me to sort of say, you know, there are opportunities everywhere. And, you know, I feel like my journey at Fossil has been incredible, but now is the time to maybe leverage some of that experience, that network, and that passion I have to sort of, I guess, had been burning for a while to do something on my own and start something new. And, you know, my eyes turned to initially the newly emerging markets in Asia. So I was thinking along the lines of Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos, Myanmar, and what you could do with international brands and in markets that had so much potential, so much opportunity, so much energy And it's always appealed to me working in emerging markets. I've always enjoyed my time, whether it was India in the early days, Thailand, Philippines, as I said earlier. And I saw this sort of next wave of countries. And yeah, I literally left Manila on a Friday night. I told my wife on Saturday morning that I was going to resign. I told the rest of my family on Sunday and my boss on Monday. And it really was, as you say, an epiphany. 
What was the response, Rashid? I mean, particularly interested about your family and your parents and your wife, as you told them over that weekend. What was their response when you told them? I think deep down, they all knew that I had a burning desire to do something on my own. I don't think any of them expected that it would happen in the way that it did. You know, Fossil's actually a company that was very close to my family because my father spent a lot of time working at the company too, which is where the original opportunity came for me right out of university. And so, yeah, I guess a mixture of shock, horror, but also like, okay, this is it. And I must say there was uh, widespread support. And once everyone got their heads around it, and that was much appreciated and much needed, there are those moments of doubt. But yeah, it was an interesting weekend, to say the least. <laughs> I bet. I guess you then sort of started those early days with, I guess, a team of people around you, and you started to build it up over time. How did you go about doing that? Was that from partners and colleagues that you'd known for a number of years? Or how did you go about building that team around you? You know, the experience and really the network that I was fortunate to build over 22 years working in Asia has probably been the most valuable thing for me in this endeavor. I stayed on at Fossil for six months and then took a long six, seven week vacation with the family came back, just started the process of setting up a company without even knowing exactly what we were going to do. But I knew I needed a corporate entity. Somewhere in the middle of that journey, I was actually approached by my old boss to say, hey, we need some help in Vietnam. And that's been on your radar. Are you interested in talking? And so, you know, from going from a long-term loyal employee and someone who'd loved what he did at Fossil Group, I'm now actually a customer distributing Fossil brands in Vietnam. And we did, we built a team from the network that I'd developed over the years. But, you know, there were a lot of familiar faces, but also a lot of new faces. And I think that's what's been one of the most, I guess, welcome parts of this journey is that you do tend to find yourself in a rather insular position when you're working in a big global corporate organization. And getting out and sort of looking to build something on your own opens your eyes, opens new opportunities, allows you to meet new people. And it's exciting. It's fun, sometimes a little bit scary, but plugging that all together has been one of the most exciting parts of this journey for me. And Rashid, the great thing about Dragonfly, I guess, is it's still very much in its infancy. It's just over three years old now. The markets that you're exploring in Asia, which one's hugely excite you. I know you've got a real allegiance to Hong Kong in particular, and I'll come on to that a bit later, but which ones really excite you? And also, I guess, you know, for many brands and multinationals, Asia can often be a tough nut to crack. What are some of the major challenges that you're helping firms with in terms of those that are trying to penetrate these markets? So let me start by saying that I've come to believe, having done business here for 20 plus years, that your network, your connections and your trust in Asia are the most important currency I think you can hold. There is definite opportunity in a network and in a long-term relationship and trust with people in this region. And I think that that is where Dragonfly has a particular focus and why we bring opportunity. As a group, we have a lot of experience not only working with international brands, from multiple industries now based on the people we brought into the organization. But we have that network, that relationship, that trust factor within Asia. And that is perhaps the most valuable thing we have in terms of building a business. In terms of the markets, I grew up in Hong Kong. I love this city. It is a very, very difficult city right now to do retail business in and to build brands in. And for that reason, while we base our headquarters here in Hong Kong, because I'm based here, our focus has been initially Vietnam because that's where we were presented with an opportunity. 
and Taiwan because I knew there was an opportunity in Taiwan to also represent some of the brands that we do. And so we took an opportunistic approach to that. It's a market that I've spent considerable amount of time in and have strong relationships in. So Vietnam and Taiwan have really been the focus for Dragonfly since we started. As of about three months ago, we launched in a very small way online only in Hong Kong with a couple of brands. And that's been interesting. It's very early days. We continue to look for new markets and we're hoping to expand into Thailand and potentially Australia before the end of this year. Again, leveraging networks and feeding off, I guess, some of the demand from the brands that we already have relationships with. We've expanded beyond Fossil Group. We're working with brands out of Korea, brands out of the US and brands out of Taiwan as well to help them expand and Thailand and Australia have jumped out at us as markets where the brands themselves have a desire to grow. On your question on Asia, I think that there's tremendous opportunity in the region. And I think that every brand who is not represented in Asia is looking to move into Asia, certainly post-pandemic. But even pre-pandemic, that was the assumption I guess I had going in that brands would need to and would be looking to expand into Asia and we could help them with that. And Rashid, you touched there on brands emerging out of Asia. I mean, historically, Asia's been incredibly strong. Electronics, technology, motor vehicle, manufacturing. Any other sectors that you're observing right now where you're seeing brands emerging that is a diversifier away from some of those traditional sectors that you might come to have known from Asia before? I think that across the board, there is a huge drive towards entrepreneurship in Asia. And that means that people are coming up with new ideas, new products. We are looking and leaning in a little bit in terms of our brand acquisition to brands that are sustainable, brands that have their home in Asia, but maybe looking to expand beyond their home market. And we certainly see that as a great way of, I guess, penetrating new markets and supporting some of these homegrown brands. There is this move towards entrepreneurship, I think partly because people are not seeing the opportunities they used to see in big corporates. And it is across the board. It's from beauty products to tech products to fashion products, you know, to liquor. We've been approached by numerous brands from numerous countries and numerous categories, to be quite honest with you. And part of the challenge is actually for us is to stay focused and pick the things that we feel emotionally attached to and where we see a commercial opportunity. And talking about your emotional attachment, Rashid, I know you're incredibly passionate, as is all of your family, about Hong Kong. And I want to just take us back to Hong Kong now and talk a little bit about Banyan, which is another business that is close to your heart. And interestingly enough, I guess, established during a global health crisis. The workspace business feels like it's very much ahead of its time, but using some of the old thinking in terms of how people work. Why, I guess, is my question. We talk about businesses that have really flourished during the pandemic. And I guess Banyan is one of those businesses that is really in the sweet spot in the context of the pandemic. And certainly something that employers and employees, for that matter, are grappling with in terms of how they work and how their people work and how their businesses operate. How did Banyan come about? Banyan Workspace was never planned. It kind of happened. And I'm immensely pleased that it did and proud that it did because we've created something very special. But the genesis of Banyan was that, you know, I was looking around together with my wife for an office for Dragonfly. I found working from home incredibly difficult. We have two young kids. We have dogs. 
and we have a busy household. So we started to look for a workspace and having worked in a branded environment all my life and being surrounded by storytelling, being surrounded by brands and a purpose every day, I found co-working to be somewhat transactional in that everyone was offering you high-speed Wi-Fi, a desk, a comfortable chair, amenities, perhaps a great view. And there was the opportunity to network, but the actual spaces themselves, in my personal view, didn't speak to me. I didn't understand the why behind some of these co-working spaces. And so we thought there was a better way. And then things kind of happened. You know, we had this idea that we could create a better co-working space. And I was sharing this with a friend of mine who I had no idea owned a piece of real estate. And he said, well, you should come and look at this space of mine. And if you're interested in it, then it's empty and I'm happy to lease it to you on a long-term lease. So we went to look at it and thought, well, this looks great, but you know, how are we going to design this? And we met a couple of designers just on a whim, honestly, to see if we could find anyone who understood what we were trying to articulate at the time. We met wonderful designers after a series of pretty non-productive meetings. We stumbled upon wonderful designers who just seemed to understand what we were saying. We had a vision of a space that was elevated, that gave back to the community, that ran sustainably, that became a home away from home for entrepreneurs, that married all the things we loved about Hong Kong, East meets West, being a big part of that. And so we had a designer and we had a space. And the next thing was, well, we need someone to help us run this. And, you know, we reached out to someone who was helping me with some dragonfly recruitment. And the first person she introduced us to, it just kind of clicked. It almost felt like one of those things that was meant to be. And, you know, lo and behold, six months later, we opened Banyan Workspace. It was a journey of love, passion, a meeting of minds. And it's become a home for a whole bunch of entrepreneurs who are really passionate about sustainability, passionate about giving back, passionate about coming to a space that I guess has values similar to their values, where they feel that they are part of something more than just a desk and an office and Wi-Fi, if that makes sense. And, you know, to be recognized here now by quite a few publications as one of Hong Kong's leading workspaces and most sustainable workspaces is something that makes us immensely proud. I will say this, it is a difficult business, a very difficult business. And there are a lot of very big experienced international operators in this space. We're a boutique operator. We have approximately 52 desks, but we're attracting a customer who's looking for something a little bit different. And I think post-pandemic, one of the things we're seeing is this drive towards local, this drive towards smaller this drive towards sustainable and this drive towards sort of shared workspaces that allow businesses more flexibility than the traditional office. And so I'd like to think we're in the right space to take advantage of this and to really blossom coming out of the pandemic. It's certainly high on the priority list of many businesses, many entrepreneurs and employers and employees in terms of how they work. But it's not necessarily a revolutionary trend is it co-working office design flexible desks etc i wouldn't say that's necessarily new rishi would you or is what you're doing at banyan something quite different i would say that in terms of the basic offer it is not new co-working has been around for a long time i think it has taken on a 
greater awareness amongst businesses and larger corporations and organizations. I think for entrepreneurs who are starting off, co-working has been for some time and remains the easy option to finding somewhere away from home that they can work, particularly in a Hong Kong context. I think, you know, most Hong Kongers live in very small, cramped apartments, perhaps sharing with family, parents, siblings, not conducive to work. So co-working is a go-to for many entrepreneurs if you want to get beyond the working at Starbucks. But in terms of differentiating Banyan from that, I think it really comes down to creating a space that has a wow factor, but that also stands for something more than just signing up members. We give 2% of all members' revenue to one of four local nonprofits that we allow our members to choose which of the nonprofits they would like their 2% to go to. And when I say we run them, what I would like to say is the most sustainable workspace and has been recognized as the most sustainable workspace in Hong Kong. We do that with everything. And when I say everything, I'm not just talking about recycling and composting. I'm talking about, you know, where we buy our coffee. I'm talking about the water dispensers that we use that switch off at night. I'm talking about supporting local businesses and buying our snacks and our tea from, from, from local vendors. It really does come down to every little detail, even to the extent that, you know, the toilet paper we use is recycled toilet paper. And we're constantly looking to see where we can improve because the whole sort of upcycling, recycling, reuse, it's changing all the time. New people are coming into the industry, finding new ways to provide solutions. And we want to be at the front end of that. And some of the fixtures and fittings in the space, our lights on our hot desks have all come from recycled construction waste. So we really try to take it to the next level. And I think that does mean that we stand apart from some of the other operators here and speak to an audience who is passionate about that and who that resonates with. And that has been huge for us and brought us a recognition apart from most of the other operators here. And for those not too familiar with Hong Kong, Banyan's in Quarry Bay in Hong Kong. Whereabouts is that in relation to sort of the financial district, et cetera, in Hong Kong? So perhaps the best way to explain it is Quarry Bay is kind of a secondary CBD here. On the subway, it's no more than 12 minutes, 13 minutes from Central, which is the main CBD. It's actually quicker in a taxi these days because of a newly constructed underpass. We're five minutes away. We're five minutes away from a subway station here. and We're in a part of town where I think a lot of businesses are starting to migrate to, as is happening in a lot of big cities around the world, the secondary CBDs are starting to become more and more popular as rents rise and people are looking to bring down costs and looking to move a little bit outside of the most expensive areas of the traditional commercial districts, if you like. And you're attracting members from different sectors of the business community? Certainly. We have a large online player here as one of our key members. We have marketing agencies. We have wine merchants. We have insurance agents. We have a video game developer here. And it's a combination of individual entrepreneurs, smaller two and three man teams up to, I think, the largest client we have or the largest member we have has 25 people. So it really is a cross-section of industries. And we've tried not to lean into any one industry or one business, which tends to be the way with some operators and gone more for what speaks to the people at a more emotional level in terms of their passions and their values, if that makes sense, rather than their actual business. And Rashid, in terms of the future for Banyan, where do you see that going? I'm conscious it's a relatively new business for you, established quite recently, which must have been a challenge in itself. 
But in terms of where you see it going, is that further expansion in the region? Is that reciprocation elsewhere with other similarly focused organisations? What's the current thinking there? I think certainly looking for reciprocal arrangements makes a lot of sense, particularly after travel opens up and people are looking to travel internationally again and international travellers when they arrive in a country quite often are looking for a workspace that they can call home for a day, a week, a month. And so reciprocation makes a lot of sense for us and is something we'll certainly be looking at. It hasn't been the focus during the pandemic for us. We've been looking quite inward and just focusing on our members and our team and keeping them safe and making them feel safe in the space. Beyond that, I would say that we have no desire to be the next global co-working operator. We're looking at the brand and seeing how we can take the brand in different directions. And we've built strong relationships here with other sustainable brands, consumer brands, marketing brands, tech brands, all sort of in the sustainable space. We'd like to leverage that and figure out how we can become an umbrella brand to help some of these local operators, local entrepreneurs grow their business. I guess that goes back to my experience in terms of building brands and distribution. So we'd like to look at that locally and then also take our sustainable practices and share them with other workspaces. And by that, I don't mean other co-working, but other companies and even in their own office space and see if we can share what we've learned and make it easy for companies to run more sustainably. We spent so much time and effort finding solutions that are cost effective, that work. And we feel that we can take that to the wider market and that there is a demand within organizations to move towards sustainability. But as we all know, big corporates don't find change easy. And I'm hoping that my experience working in corporates, our experience here at Banyan, building what we believe is the most sustainable workspace here will allow us to connect the dots between the two and make it easier for some of these big companies to run more sustainably. Your passion for having a purpose in terms of your business life, just doing good for the community. And obviously with Banyan in Hong Kong, you can do that. But do you think you would have been able to do that if you'd stayed around in a big corporate? Let me say this. There are amazing things that big corporates are doing every day. And I still sit on the board of the Fossil Foundation, even though I'm not an employee there. And I'm incredibly proud to do that and for all the impact that they create. And being in that position gives me visibility into what a lot of other organizations are doing to support both local communities and international areas of great need. So I would say that big corporations do an incredible amount of good. At the same time, I think that big corporations find it incredibly difficult to change the processes, the practices that have been built up over decades. And that is something that I hope that in some small way we can take what we have learned and help them on that journey, starting with close friends and contacts who I know are passionate about doing this and have a desire to do it, but are perhaps looking for some help looking for someone who's already done the research uh, and the hard work of figuring out how this can be done. It's easy, in a sense, to build some of these things into a new business. Not necessarily easy financially, and it takes a lot of time, but it's much easier to start a business and say that we have this vision and we want to do it right than to change a fast-moving train, if you like, or change direction when you're a fast-moving train on a set of tracks. And so, you know, we're incredibly lucky that... We're in this position that we are and that we have people on our teams that are passionate and committed to this and looking to drive change every day. 
yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how we can take that out and maybe help other people do the same thing. You've got a perfectly great working example in Banyan when you're doing your work with your brands and your clients at Dragonfly. You can point to what you're doing at Banyan and really use that as an inspiration for your own clients, I guess. Absolutely. I mean, there's synergies across the board. I mean, from the sustainability work that we've done at Banyan or what we've learned to helping some of our partners, but also... You know, we get approached by brands asking for help in certain areas, and it may be that they need to look at their PR, for instance. And we have a PR organization at Banyan, so we can connect the two there if we can't help. There's incredible synergies between the two businesses that I don't think that we necessarily envisaged at the beginning, but have certainly become apparent as we've progressed along this journey. Rishi, it's been fascinating speaking to you and really enjoy your passion that's has followed you into the world of business. When you think back about that weekend when you told your parents, your wife, your boss at the time that you were heading out of Fossil and you were going to go and do your own thing, looking back over those last few years, anything that you would have done differently that you wish you had done throughout that time? I don't know about differently. I think that I'm in a better place personally, emotionally, mentally. I'm enjoying what I'm doing. I'm driven every day, and that's phenomenal to be able to say. We took on a business partner in the early days in Vietnam. That didn't work out. I think that that was a mistake. But, you know, you learn from your mistakes. And, you know, I like to say that you learn more from your mistakes than your successes. And we moved on amicably. And, you know, we found a different way to get our business off the ground and get our business moving. And maybe taking on a partner was not what I needed straight out of a corporate environment because I had very set ideas on what I wanted to do. That said, I do have partners in other businesses in different ways, shapes and forms in different areas of the business. And, you know, that's the only thing I would say is the jumps to mind is something that may have been approached a little bit differently. But no, all in all, I would say it's been a fantastic journey. And every experience that we've had along the way has taught us to be stronger and taught us to do things differently, you know, making choices, at least if you make the wrong choice, you know, you made the wrong choice and you can redirect rather than sitting on the fence, if you like. And for those who might be sitting on the fence, what piece of advice might you give to somebody who's thinking along similar lines to what you were thinking back in your fossil days? Anything you would say to them? I think that coming out of this pandemic, there's going to be incredible opportunity. And in some ways, I think the timing couldn't be better to jump out and do something on your own. It can be scary. It can be it can lead to some sleepless nights. And when the decision is yours and only yours and all the implications of that decision fall on you, that can be difficult. But that's also incredibly empowering. And I would urge people to jump in with both feet and not be scared to learn as you go. 20 years of experience and this is completely new when it's all yours. And while you can lean back on some of that experience, a lot of the time, there are also times when you're kind of swimming on your own and you've just got to make those decisions. But it's incredibly empowering. And I would highly recommend it to people who are thinking about it. Being your own boss is the best thing that I've done. And uh, yeah, and one of the best things about Banyan is meeting entrepreneurs. You know, we have a sort of bi-monthly get together of some of our members and hearing their stories and hearing their journeys and sharing amongst the group. It's incredibly powerful, actually, and I think everyone takes inspiration from everyone else. Thanks very much for joining us. I really enjoyed, as I'm sure all of our listeners would, of your story. Your journey so far is very much not finished yet, as many entrepreneurs will tell you, it doesn't stop. Just keep going. And great to hear 
what's going on at Dragonfly and also at Banyan and thanks very much indeed and great to hear from you. Thank you, Alan. Very much appreciate the opportunity and very much enjoy talking to you. That's all for this edition of Julius Baer's True Connections podcast. Thank you for listening and please do keep in touch with us on Twitter, LinkedIn and at juliusbear.com. Thank you.